0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode 18 of the More Than Corporate Podcast. Today on the show, we have Amber Beltran, and I'm super excited to have Amber on the show. I have known her literally my entire life. So we grew up together in a super small town in Southern Idaho. And the reason that I wanted to bring her on the show among so many others was because I'm super inspired by the journey that she's had since we graduated from high school. So Amber is currently the chair for the Utah Libertarian Party. We can say whatever we want about politics and you know, that's not the purpose of this episode to get into different political opinions. But anybody who chooses to put themselves on a public forum of any kind, it requires so much vulnerability and authenticity and courage and all of the things that really make up getting out of your comfort zone, which is what part of this podcast is about. And so I really wanted to be able to talk to Amber and have her share her story of what it was like to go from a super, super small town to kind of putting herself in the middle of a political campaign and running for national office and then becoming the chair of the Utah Libertarian Party and kind of talk about what it was like for her family from going through those changes and additionally so she has a second tie to kind of where I'm at in my life right now which is as an immigration attorney so she went through the citizenship process with her husband and so she has an intimate knowledge of kind of what goes on with that, and we share that in common as well. So I'm super excited to get into Amber's interview and have her share everything that um, she's kind of gone through in going through this political campaign and what that required from her in just letting go of all of her self-doubt. Before we get into Amber's interview, if you haven't had an opportunity yet to head over and check out the More Than Corporate community page on Facebook, I would encourage you to check that out. It's a great place to meet some really cool people that are like-minded and have some discussions about the ideas around success and fulfillment and courage and comfort zones and all of the things that make up finding and living your best life. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into Amber's interview. Amber, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. So I'm super excited to have you tell your story to the listeners. I think that kind of where you started and where you're at now is super inspirational. So why don't you go ahead and talk about what it was like for you growing up and how you transitioned into where you are now.
1: Amber Furman and I grew up in a small little town in Malad, Idaho, and um, I, I always joke when I meet other Ambers, because there's a lot of us, that in my high school, more than, more than two percent, or whatever was named Amber, I don't know, that's probably not logistically right, but.
0: <laughs> there was a lot of us.
1: I did, yeah, for such a tiny high school, for a high school of Three hundred to have like four or five people named amber was quite a lot. So anyway, so um, Yeah, I grew up in a small town and I think that i um, growing up in like farm country. I didn't grow up on a big farm or anything But we had a small small land and um, you know just have to to work hard uh, um, And grew up around a lot of hard-working people and people that were really generous and things and so I think my upbringing really um led to me to believe in like the good in people and so i've i've always been one to look for the good in people and and i expect it and when i don't see that it is kind of heartbreaking <laughs> but, absolutely um, i grew up and graduated and i went to college um, i went to snow college and had a great experience there got my social work um bachelor associate of science of social work so when then I transferred to Weber State and that's when things really started to change for me um so I was in my major of social work and um I had a professor in a a class I believe it was a diversity class if I'm remembering right he had us read a book and in that book the author identified himself as a libertarian I had I had not heard this word I didn't It was a new word for me, Um, but as I read the book and he talked about different ideas and things, um, I was like, I think that's what I am, (laughs) Um, because um, a lot of what he was talking about was like uh, criminal justice reform, and as a social worker, I saw this a lot, how people can get trapped in the criminal justice system. And then that just um, creates so many other barriers to their life. And I know for you as a lawyer, you know, dealing with immigration, that if somebody has a drug charge on their um, on their background or whatever, it, it just complicates things. And so I started to think that, oh, this is something that I, I want to get to know more about. I'm trying to think of when it really like clicked. I just remember that was like my introduction. Um, then i continued just living my life i got married Uh, my husband is from el salvador um, and uh seeing the difficulty of the immigration process through a personal life um now my husband came um as a permanent resident and so he did everything legal uh, but it's still really expensive and it's still really um, a lot of paperwork and so i think when when people Talk a lot about well, why don't they just come here legal? I'm like, it's not as easy as you might imagine. <laughs> it's certainly Amber. You have a lot more insight into that than I do. But um, so then I started to see things like you know the immigration system in the United States really needs to be updated. Um, it was it was put into practice a long time ago, and um, there needs to be updates. And that's another thing that I really like about the Libertarian Party is that it, we are Are more open to uh, trade and to people crossing into our border uh, crossing our borders um, that that will be productive members of society Um, and so one day it was um, Easter weekend Um, I remember I was at the grocery store and I just got a phone call out of the blue and the woman her name is Kara Schultz and she is the a candidate recruiter for the National Libertarian Party. And she called me and she said, have you ever thought about running for office? <clears throat> and I was like, I had my two little girls in the shopping cart and I was picking <laughs> up bananas. And I was like, um, I thought about it. <laughs> and she's like, well, we really want you to run this year. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, um, I'm not opposed to it, but I I need to think about it and talk about it with my family. So um, you can put me down, I guess, as a maybe, and she said, okay, well, I'll have the Utah, I'll have the Utah person reach out to you, and I was like, okay, but I just remember um, being struck in that moment, um, it just really hit me, um, and I'm sorry, I might cry a little, because I'm super emotional, like, I'm super passionate, that's the main thing about behind me, but I just remember thinking, like, I'm so lucky, I live in a country where I drove myself to the store, <laughs> Um it was Easter time. And my daughter was asking me questions out loud about Easter. And I was talking to her about, you know, Jesus and resurrection and also the bunny. And, um, and there, I wasn't afraid of being arrested talking about Jesus. And then to top it off, I got a phone call about running for office. (laughs) Like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) So, um, I came home and talked to my husband and I was like, okay, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. And going to run. And so it was actually a really cool day because the same day that I filed to run for office, so I ran for the Utah House of Representatives, um, was the same day that my husband became a citizen of the United States. So, Oh
0: my gosh, that's amazing.
1: It was like such an amazing day for democracy um, at the Beltran House. And oh, I was feeling super patriotic and super excited. And I just, I really wanted to be a part of the change and do something different, you know, and, and I think a lot of people, as I talk to them, you know, a lot of people feel really apathetic. Politics is, it can be, it can be really difficult because it takes a long time to get progress. (laughs) So I think a lot of people get burned out. It does take a lot of work. Um, It takes a lot of networking and things like that. And so you really have to be passionate about it. And um, that's definitely something I have going for me. I am a really, I am, I'm a really passionate person. I mean, I'm not, you know, talking about, um, being vulnerable and stuff, I definitely have days where I cry, and I feel like I haven't accomplished anything, and I just want to throw my hat in, or no, sorry, sorry, I throw the towel in, and just be like, oh, I'm not doing anything, what, <laughs> like, what's wrong with me, and I, there are definitely days where I, um, I just feel so overwhelmed, um, and, um, and, and the reason for that, I guess I should kind of fill in, um, so this last April, I had, I had been discussing that I wanted to run for the chair of the Salt Lake County, uh, Libertarian Party. And, um, I had, I was Facebook friends and I had got to know the current chair and, um, she was not going to run again. And so I was like, okay, so this will become an opening. And so I started talking to people and they're like, well, why don't you just run for the chair of the whole state? And I was like, oh man, that's a lot. (laughs) Well, um, I ended up getting elected to the chair of the Utah <laughs> Libertarian Party. Um, and
0: how long is that term for? It's a two-year term. Got it. So I want to ask you a couple of questions about things that you just said. Um, I know that, you know, you, you grew up on a farm and you mentioned that here, and I know what that is entails because even though I didn't necessarily grow up on a farm I grew up in that farming community but can you talk a little bit about what you learned growing up on a farm and how that helped you as you went into college and then now in the political arena
1: yeah so I definitely I feel that just that good old-fashioned like hard work (laughs) and and I, I personally did not do a lot of, like, baling of hay. Um, I know my brothers did a lot, so I better put that caveat in here because they would be like, uh, um, you are not doing it. However, I do remember stacking it, um, and I remember, you know, having to break the bales open to feed the horses and stuff.
0: <laughs> Which, um, hay bales and- was the worst, and I'm going to say that with a... Caveat like you just said because anybody who has baled hay would shoot me for saying that stacking hill is the worst job But it really was kind of crazy hard.
1: And then I also during the summer um, My brother and I we moved pipe. I don't know if do you? Yeah, um, so a lot of people maybe don't realize now because everything is like motorized and robotic and timing and stuff but in some parts in some farms People use um, irrigation pipes to water their crop and they have to be moved by hand and they're super heavy and they're its like, oh my goodness. And and you, you don't want to get a day off. Like I remember our employer was really sweet in the sense that he's like, well, on the 4th of July, you just have to come in the morning or something, you know, like you can take the night off, but I mean, it's rain or shine, you are moving pipe. And that is really hard work. I mean, it, you... Are busting like you're up to your knees in mud, and you're carrying pipe, and um, and I I did do that. That's probably one of the hardest summer jobs I've ever had. Um, and but I think it just taught me that like you you can't quit in the middle. You have to see it through, <laughs> and if you don't, then um, yeah, then I mean the crops are gonna dry out in the sun if they don't get their water. But, you know, that kind of taught me along the lines and and I feel super blessed, like the education that I had. um, I really feel that my teachers really cared about me and they were invested in my future, Um, but also the accountability part of it. And I um, and that's something that really stood out to me, too, with with my family. Like I had amazing parents but like if we did wrong then we accepted the consequences of it you know <laughs> natural sure. consequences or sometimes they were imposed by parents um but i think that that kind of upbringing made me um respectful of hard work but also to recognize that like there are going to be consequences uh, good and bad and i think a lot of times we focus on the bad consequences but there are really good consequences like. I feel like for me um I think my my husband is one of my good consequences <laughs> um i I almost I almost married someone else and I was so in love with him, but he was just he was just a bad choice and he did not bring out the best in me <laughs> I always tell people I'm like marry someone who likes you not just right. likes but likes you and um I did almost married somebody who didn't like me um, and that I'm so glad I didn't. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so I definitely see my husband as a very, um, a very good consequence. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. I waited and, um, I wanted to marry somebody that was a partner. Um, uh, my husband is not political like at all. <laughs> um, so he grew up during the civil war of, in El Salvador.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So, um, so I always tell people, I'm like, I'm, I'm married to a civil war veteran. and. <laughs> terrible, but it's funny, so, um, so, because, because of his upbringing, and, um, like, one of his brothers got kin- kidnapped by the gorillas, um, in El Salvador, and had to be escaped, and things, uh, rescued,
0: so, yeah, unfortunately, I hear those stories much more than I would like to, it's, a right,
1: okay, sure, sure, there. so, um, Um, because of that, he has said that, you know, politics, it just leaves a really bad taste in his mouth, but he's very supportive of me, um, um, and, you know, he's like, I never want to hold you back, Um, and so I'm really grateful for that, because um, he's been there um, really kind of, like, as a really good support to me, um, because I, I'm really passionate and I'm really, I try to put on a really strong face and things, but I mean, I certainly have my moments of discouragement and um, I, I, when I did, I lost, okay, so my race, I didn't get elected and that was hard, but I had set like a personal goal. So um, for third party candidates, it's, it's hard to, to win an election because you don't have that base support of the two main parties. So I already knew going in that I had a, a tough race ahead of me. Like I, I wasn't delusional, and I knew winning would be very difficult. Um, but I had like set a personal goal of how much of the vote I wanted to get, and when I didn't get that, I was so crushed. And it's <laughs> like because I had knocked on so many doors. Oh, for sure. I had sure. so many friends, and um, and oh my gosh, my campaign was so amazing. Um, there were two volunteers that came over. Um, they're involved in like the Liberty Movement and. Um, where they live so I had a volunteer come Um, he was from Denmark but living in Sweden and he came over and helped me knock doors and he got to stay he stayed at our house and um, I just thought it was such a cool experience for my girls to get to meet somebody you know um, from Europe and hear their experiences Um, and then um, another gentleman from Australia was working on the campaign And um, this is all because of uh, the National Libertarian Party. They put together a team of people, um, because I did not have the finances (laughs) myself. Um, But they, you know, they put together um, monies to help uh, races that were fairly inexpensive to run, you know. And, like, there are so many amazing libertarians in California, but, like, housing housing people in California to work on a campaign is a lot more expensive than housing them in Wyoming and Utah for sure just because of that um I just I got to meet so many people and I got really close to um people and so I would just give some advice to people that listen to this like I'm gonna be honest libertarians online can be a little bit intense like the Facebook groups they love to argue but I'm telling you like If you really want to get involved in a in with somebody, go show up to one of their events to ask for a volunteer. And this is for any campaign. You know they need people to hold signs and parades, and they need people to knock on doors. That is where the meat and potatoes of politics is is at the groundwork, and I love it. I love getting to meet people that are so passionate, and they're not the keyboard warriors. You know they're not just the people that are posting dank memes and arguing with people and I mean that has its place and that works for some people but gosh if you really want to affect change like go to your city council meetings and go and meet people that actually care about this stuff and it's it's amazing and for me like sometimes it's a little jarring because I have a definite way of seeing the world and Um, I, you know, I definitely advocate for a smaller role of government. So when I meet people that want big government, it's like, oh my gosh, like, I have to like take a step back and say, okay, okay, Amber, it's okay. Like,
0: for sure. You know, we we talk about this all the time where, um, we talk about this all the time where, people vote in a presidential election thinking that that's where change is made. And it's, and it's not, you have so many people who vote in a presidential election that then don't go vote in oh, their city council or their yeah, local so elections because they don't think it matters. A,
1: yeah. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, your school board members, your, your waterboard people, those are the people that are making decisions that directly affect your life. Like that. Absolutely. Is, well, I let's
0: talk for a minute about um, kind of, What you went through when you decided that politics was the route that you wanted to go, was it difficult for you to make that choice? Did you have some struggles with leaving behind the uh, social work degree that you had worked so hard for? Was there a way you could do both of them? What was that transition like for you?
1: Yeah, so I think um, my social work degree really kind of pushed me because I I saw how um, policies were affecting you know, it's one thing to sit in the Capitol building and write these policies that sound really good. But like to be to be in the middle of it and helping the people and working with them. um, I I really saw the direct influence of those policies. Um, And so I think that actually pushed me more towards politics. um, Because I wanted to say, hey, you know, some of these programs that you're doing, you think they're helping, they're actually they're actually hurting people. There's a book and They came out with a movie and they have a podcast. It's called Freakonomics. And I started listening to the Freakonomics podcast and I just fell in love with it. Like people's behavior and how it's influenced and why we make the decisions that we make. But on a larger scale, like seeing when programs are implemented, if they actually work or if they don't, I really like data backed and scientific backed research saying okay this actually works or this doesn't. Um, So I think it went really well hand in hand um, in kind of developing my my interest in seeing how people are directly affected by some of the policies and yeah if they don't work then we shouldn't be paying for
0: them. (laughs) You know that's so interesting too because Uh, not to get too deep into political issues, but so many times the people that are making the rules that affect us all don't understand the consequences of it. And as an attorney where I practice both criminal defense and immigration, I see so much of the criminal justice reform that you were talking about. And I see so much of the immigration hardships that you were talking about with your husband and the cost and things to that effect. And the people who are making these decisions don't always see that. And it's important for people to get involved rather than just complain about what it happens to be and to educate themselves. That tends to be Mm -hmm. one of the hardest parts is actually educating yourself for yourself, especially in today's media culture.
1: Yeah. And that's actually, I made a little note. I would say, you know, please like when people are deciding to vote, like get to know the candidates. There's gotta be a website. Most States have at least a website where, people can post their things you know do as much research as you can because just because somebody's a nice person that's not that doesn't make them a good elected official like for sure I mean I think I think it is important I think it is important to have nice people but guess what nice people can do bad things and so um nice is not enough you need you need somebody that's dedicated and accountable. So yeah. One of the questions you had mentioned was talking about le- learning from failure. For sure. And I think for me, like when I, when I lost the campaign after working so hard and so sometimes when people are like, well, you just have to work harder. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's not fair because <laughs> like the two women. Um, so I was in a race with four women, which was kind of unique. So there were four women running, um, uh, four different political parties represented, and, um, me and one woman were, like, at every event, and we were meeting and talking to people and knocking on doors, and, and she and I, if you even combined our vote, we still wouldn't have beat the incumbent, and that was heartbreaking to me, because I thought for sure, like, well, maybe we'll get close. No, like, the incumbent won with well over 50%, I was just, like, shocked, like, now, that's the thing, like um, you know, the incumbent, she's a really nice woman, I just feel like more could be done, and yeah, I don't mean to get too political, but I think that, you know, like we were talking about earlier about hard work, like sometimes people work really hard, but they don't win, and you have to be okay with that, you have to know that you gave it your best shot, and um, I remember thinking like, okay, When I look in the mirror at night, do I know that I gave it my all? Did I give it my best so that I could have peace? And, um, and I know that probably sounds really cliche, but it really was because I knew, um, I knew because I was out there, I was talking to people and things, at least I got them thinking about stuff. And so, um, maybe they didn't vote for me, but maybe a conversation we had on their front porch helped them understand one of the other things we were were working on. Like there was an election about gerrymandering and uh, medical marijuana and um, things like that. And so I've had lots of conversations about these issues. And so I'm like, okay, well maybe I didn't win, but maybe an idea won. (laughs) For sure. so I I feel really, um, yeah, I, I, I also feel like now I know so much more about campaigns. I'm able to help other people. And that is just a big benefit. I, I got trained, um, very well by, um, uh, he's paid for by the Libertarian National Party pays a, a campaign consultant and he worked very closely with me and I got to know him really well and he gave me a lot of advice and things, and now I can go and share that with others. So. Um, even though I lost my race (laughs) and I, I know that I will be able to carry those skills with me and they're, they're going to last for the rest of my life and I can help spread them, you know, and then also my daughters, my daughters came with me door knocking sometimes and it was so sweet. They loved to, um, put the little, um, door hangers on people's doors and meet people and, Um, and so I wanted to be a really good example to my daughters and show them, you know, you know, if mommy can do this, you can do this. And, um,
0: for sure. And
1: and that's really, um, I don't, I really don't feel like so much anymore. Like I, yeah, I don't really feel like there's a lot that I can't do, (laughs) but I definitely like, um, being a mom and I work part time now. Um, you know, it. you definitely have to find that balance of when you can get the things done
0: that you need to get done. For sure. So what so specific had- lessons did you take from your first campaign when you did not, when you were not successful and take those into then being successful in running for the chair of the Utah Libertarian Party?
1: I definitely became more able to defend my positions. <laughs> um and I've always, I've always been comfortable in, in front of people. That's never been an issue for me. I mean, and that's like something that I carry from even my high school days. Uh, I was in the FFA. Um, and I was the, I was the president of the FFA in, in Mollad High School. And, um, but that gave me a lot of speaking opportunities. And so that really kind of shaped me too. So yeah. Um,
0: well, it's awesome that you can take those ideas from your unsuccessful campaign. I, I use the word un- unsuccessful, but I don't necessarily think that the campaign was unsuccessful. Just because you don't win doesn't mean it's unsuccessful. You obviously took so much from it that has then moved yeah. where you're at in your life now. So when I say unsuccessful, that's, that term is used loosely. But you've taken so much. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did lose, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> but you take yeah, so I much did, from I it now. I didn't, like,
1: I didn't get elected, <laughs> but yeah. um, I made some amazing friendships, and I met some really great people that then, because they saw how work, how hard I worked on my campaign, they were willing to also, you know, vote for me um, as the Utah chair. Absolutely. And they, they saw that I um, was dedicated and that I was putting in the, the work. And um, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on. Like I get emails from the lieutenant's governor's office that I have to, um, to update and let them know if we're gonna be participating in campaigns and things. And, and that's a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that other people don't know about, you know? But gosh, it just feels really great to get to be a part of something bigger than myself.
0: For sure. So one of the things that you talked about that I really want to touch on is the fact that you went home at night and said, you know, I gave it everything that I had. And that really makes me think of this world that we live in where everybody wants this instant gratification. I loved what you said about saying maybe... I didn't win, but an idea that I said did. And I've, I think that that's something that everybody needs to take into their everyday life. The idea of going out, you never know who's watching. You never know who's listening. You never know who you're going to impact and going out and just being yourself and being authentic about what you think and your ideas and knowing that at some point in time if you continue to do that day after day that it's going to pay off so can you talk about a little bit about how that ended up transitioning into your then successful campaign with the utah chair
1: because of the friendships that i had made and um being involved in and working with different people just some good old-fashioned networking, I guess, <laughs> but also um, we had worked together, um, we had done some events together, so things like going to um, like the Pride Festival or in um, Magna, we have a Halloween and summer event, which is really cool, and um, I had done booths with different people, and so because of that, they got to know me and see me in action and meeting with the the crowd, so when I said that I wanted to run for the Utah chair I had two people come up to me and say that they would nominate me so um in parliamentary procedure you need to be nominated and then it's second <laughs> um, right. um and and so I had two people come to me to say, tell me that they would nominate me and that just meant a lot you know I didn't have to you can nominate yourself certainly um but it just it just felt good to me that I wouldn't have to do that <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just um, to have people say that they would nominate and me um, at the convention just meant a lot. I remember thinking that it really came down to. Um, I have to be honest; like, it wasn't like there was like a whole bunch of people wanting to run. <laughs> so unfortunately, I had I had more candidates um, in the in my Utah House of Representatives race. But when um, when I went to the the convention and people asked me um, when I just, when I said that I would run, other people said, okay, then I perhaps will not, you know, does that make sense? Like, yeah, no, for sure. There's, there's not a, there's not a formal there wasn't a formal list before I got there. Um, some states that are larger um, do have multiple people running, um, but at this time in Utah, it was kind of Uh, was along the lines of okay who's interested and who has the ability and and I was very open with them I said you know I definitely see myself more as a delegator because I am a mom the former chair in Utah he was able to travel a lot more than I was um so uh I have more like Facebook meetings and things with people that live in like Cache Valley and St. George (laughs) and because it, it is more difficult for me to get there but I do I have had conversations with them um and so i really feel like it just it just translated in the sense of um that my previous actions kind of spoke for themselves and so when i put my name out there um the people voted for me um and and i was told it was a vote of confidence um so in another interesting thing um is there's always the option of none of the above so we call it nota so n-o-t-a so I I feel really blessed that nobody voted for Noda over me because that would have probably hurt my feel bads really bad for sure. <laughs> if I had lost to none of the above, like that would have been heartbreaking. But for sure, I did, I, I, I I won. So I, I was I was thrilled. Um, I was the first woman elected. Um, another woman previously served in this position because the 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 chair had moved out of state and she was the vice chair but I was the first elected female. Well, Uh, congratulations on that. That definitely felt cool. I I like to consider myself a little bit of a chain breaker, I guess, I don't know. like.
0: (laughs) Well, let's talk about that for a second. So what did your family think when you decided that you were going to run and that you were going to go into politics? Was there any kickback? Like, what the heck are you thinking? Are you sure this is what you want to do? And how did you reconcile that with being authentic with yourself?
1: Okay, sure, sure. So I will be honest. My mom has been a huge cheerleader. My dad, my dad's so funny when he calls me now, he calls me governor. He's just (laughs) like, Hey governor. Like, so my parents have been really amazing, um, supportive. And like my mom came down to the convention and was there when I was elected. And it was really neat for us to have that together. But, um, so my husband was a little bit surprised. He's like, when I met you, he's like, I didn't realize this is something that you were passionate about, and, um, I mean, I had certainly talked about it, but it was more kind of, like, an abstract idea, like, someday in the future, you know, like, oh, I think that, you know, there's so many policies that need to be changed, I should be part of the change, or whatever, um, and so it really, um, do you know that my husband was, like, surprised, when i decided to run for do a campaign and i did a full on campaign some people just put their name on the ballot and and that's fine um and cuz they're just like well we just want to give people choices and and that's fine but i decided to go like full board and do events and meet the candidates everything and i did that and um but my my husband he's like amber this is going to take a lot of time and i know that and I said, I know, and I'm really going to be needing your help and things. But I feel like everybody was super supportive. Um, I do have a grandpa that lives in Malad that um, he just loves to argue with me about everything po- political, but, oh, bless his little heart. He has Fox News on all the time. Like, just turn it <laughs> off. Like, please, like, turn on the cooking channel. Give yourself a break. Like, oh, that's funny. My family has been really supportive. I, just, I have a grandfather that, like, questions my every move. But other than that.
0: (laughs) Well, I kind of feel like we need those in our lives too. Like what would we do in a life where we didn't have to, I don't want to say justify because we should never have to justify our actions, but having a person challenge us and make us think about what we're doing and whether it's what we really want to do is extremely important in my opinion in making sure that we're authentically Doing what serves oh, us
1: best. Sure. Yeah. Like I have not had anybody in a door to door contact be as hard on me as my grandpa. So he definitely teaches me to, <laughs> to so defend. Did that help you yeah. with
0: your door to door stuff, being able to have your grandpa in the back of your mind going, okay, we've already gone through this.
1: <laughs> I think that's a little um, yeah, just a little voice in the back of my head, like, okay, Amber, you really gotta defend yourself and And yeah, I think here in Utah, the um, legislation—it's only like a forty-five day session—and so there are a lot of like there are a lot of moms. There's a lot of retired people certainly that do it, but there are a lot of moms and things. So I don't think it was considered like anything out of the ordinary, so um, per se. But I did have a lot of people tell me that they thought that I was really brave for doing it and putting myself out there, Um, and. I don't know, though, because I think about my comfort zone, and I really don't, I don't know, I think maybe for myself, um, I, I feel like, and, and I've actually explained this to my husband, because there are times when he's like, he's like, do you ever want to just take a break, or maybe you shouldn't do that right now, and, um, you know, because he's, he's looking out for my mental health, too, bless his heart, um, but, uh, I, to, to me, it, if, it would feel... It would feel inauthentic to not be doing
0: something. One hundred percent. And that's just as important as figuring I feel what like you
1: do. Yeah. Cause I think and I'm I'm sure you can relate to this on on many levels in in your line of work that like, yeah, it'd be great to, you know, put up a wall and not care about people. But to me, I I really do love people and I, I'm not just saying that. Like I, I am motivated because I want my daughters to have a better future. Um, I want people to live their best life um, and how they define that. Like I don't, I don't want people being told what they can and cannot do. I want to be able to choose. Um, and so that choices, is just really empowering for anyone. Um, and so for myself, uh, that is, I guess, kind of, kind of the motive, but I, I do feel at times, like, um, there was only one time that somebody, like, went up to my husband and they were like, oh, are you the candidate? And I was like, no, it's me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, how did but, they respond to that? Were they, I mean, was, were they shocked to see that it was you or?
1: Oh, they actually, they said something like, oh, I should not have assumed that. I'm like, of course. They were like, oh, of course it's you. And, and it, I mean, it was just a little moment or whatever,
0: but. Um, you talked about your husband telling you that, you know, this was going to be hard work. And then you talked a little bit about comfort zones, but was there ever a point in time in the process where you sat down and thought, is this worth it? Or did it always just feel like the right decision for you?
1: it it always felt right but I think there were times like if I went to a meet the Canada event and there were more candidates than constituents there oh that was such a letdown (laughs) for sure like oh what did I get myself into um but I think in those moments uh when when it didn't go as expected like I think probably the biggest thing is for me that I'm learning to for my own self is setting realistic expectations. Like I look forward to things, but I don't try to put so much weight on them that it, it impacts the rest of it. Um, I heard this really great quote. I went to this like woman's conference thing and a woman said, um, just because something is not perfect doesn't mean that it's not good. I love and that. I, I think about that all the time like, okay, that's right. Like I'm gonna do something really good. And even if it's not perfect, it's still really good. And I, I try to remind myself of that, of when I'm doing an event or something like, okay, even if just five people show up, that's five more people that I get to talk to. That's five more people. Um, and, and that could be for anything. I mean, even at, at work, um, uh, the work, I work at a funeral home, man, you get to see all sorts of lives and cultures and religions. And, oh, I just may sound really strange, but like my favorite. Is at the funerals when they do like an open mic time, <laughs> and people get to go up and share stories. I love those.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's interesting. Like,
0: it's the, true,
1: the true celebration of life, and yeah. um, and and because people typically share like fun fishing stories or like when um, they learned how to ride their bike or like their friends and them like played weird games and got in trouble or whatever. I don't know. It's just like, I, I think about that because of where I work It's very strange in the sense, like I, I am reminded of my own mortality
0: a lot. <laughs> you know, it's and, so crazy because it's so important to think about that. We forget how short life really is so many times mm-hmm. And look back, I I was listening to a podcast the other day, and he was talking about how, how the way that he gets through this fear of failure is this fear of regret, the idea that If he was to be at the end of his life and look back, he never wants to regret not having done anything. And when you talk about this work that you do and you hear these stories, that's what it reminds me of. I want to be in a situation where I look back at the end of my life and know that I did everything that I could to make it the best life possible.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And so for me, like my life has led me towards politics and, um, And I feel like it is very authentic to who I am. And I feel like um, I'm really passionate about it. So that is a big motivation to me, absolutely. But when I, when there are funerals and I, not that I'm comparing numbers or anything, that sounds awful. But um, I remember one night there was a funeral um, and there were only like five people in the audience. And I remember thinking about whoever it was. I don't, I don't remember the name now, but those may be, the best five friends that have ever existed. Like, he may have had, like, some people that are more well-known have, like, tons and tons, you know? Um, We've done funerals for, like, um, uh, businessmen and stuff that, hours and hours of lines of people coming to say goodbye. Um, And so it's not about comparing numbers, but I remember thinking, you know, whoever comes to my funeral, I want them to know that number one, they were loved by me, and number two, that I did the very best that I could.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: I've definitely hurt people along the way, and that's never my intention. But at the same time, sometimes you have to do hard things, and sometimes people might get um, hurt or offended, but it was never, like, I don't have an, an, an intention to hurt people, um... So, you know, I think, oh man, I really, you know, like, I've had to talk, like, uh, in my campaign, I had to mention things that some of my, my opponents were doing that I was not comfortable with, but I tried to never make it about the person, yeah. just their, their policies, you know? So I think, um, yeah, that's definitely, I want my funeral to be, uh, remembering that I really did care about people and I really did do my best and, hopefully some fun stories. Like I like to
0: have yeah, fun. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it's crazy because if we, in order for us to live our best, our best life, whatever that is, we're not going to, everybody's not going to like us along the way. And everybody's not going to oh, like sure. everything that we do. And, you know, I am with you in the fact that my intention is never to hurt anybody else, but I won't sacrifice my own happiness, my own beliefs or my own well-being.
1: Right. In your integrity. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I
0: definitely get where you're coming from. Obviously, this podcast is about defining your own idea of success. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because your, um, your path in this political culture is, especially in a party that's not one of the two main parties, is extremely interesting to me. What I want to know is how you define success now and how your definition of success may have changed throughout your life.
1: When I was younger, I competed in um, drama and speech competitions and some FFA competitions, which I love the FFA, but I was so bad at those ones. Like, I would do, like, horse judging. I even did, like, oh, it's so Napoleon Dynamite, but I actually did milk tasting contests. It is an actual thing, and I did it. I did it, I think, at Preston High School, if I remember right, which is even crazier. But, so... Um, oh, it yeah, it's definitely hard to go from like winning and <laughs> getting a medal <laughs> to like that internal like drive and being okay. Um, I definitely felt, oh, I felt so I don't know, proud, probably like when I got my social work degree, I was just so proud of myself because of how hard I had to work in my internship and I was, you know, just yeah it, it took a lot out of me and I was so excited and proud of myself for making it that far and doing it and um so I think that yeah it's really hard that now that I look at like politics and they're like oh right Amber you got above six percent like that's a victory <laughs> that's a libertarian victory I'm like well it feels like crap okay <laughs> like, but but I have definitely had to um redefine absolutely Um, so I think, yeah, I think my definition of of success now, gosh, if I had to go by numbers, it probably would be like people that we talked to, like all, um, when we do booths, we'll have like emails signed up and email signups and like, okay, we got, we got five people that want to get our newsletter. Like, that's awesome. (laughs) And, oh, but I don't want to make it sound like I'm all about the numbers, but like now those are my victories. Like, that's what I cheer for now, like, oh, and, and the other day, like, um, I was at the Halloween for summer booth, and this lady came up to me, and she's like, oh my gosh, she's like, I thought I was the only libertarian in Utah, and I was like, no, no, there's lots of us, come here, like, but, like, that was just a little moment, um, and it was just so exciting for me to have that moment to talk to somebody that had, you know, was like, oh, I didn't realize that, you guys were organized and everything, which means like, oh man, I got to do better and let more people know. Um, but at the same time to just have those moments of connection and have people say, oh yeah. And honestly, that's one thing that I do really love, um, about going out and talking to people. You usually can agree about one or two things. And so I'm like, that's what we're going to work on together. I nice. you know. So, um, you know, like, for you and I, I mean, we haven't had a big conversation or anything, but like you would have insights to immigration more so than anybody <laughs> that I know directly. Um, so, you know, like if, if I were working on some policy or something, I would want to talk to immigration lawyers and judges and people who are in the trenches, you know, and making those changes and, um, and doing the work. And um, yeah, so I think success now for me probably is well, first of all, like not embarrassing myself, <laughs> saying something wrong. <laughs> um and, and second of all, having a connection that caused someone to make a change. So, you know, people saying, Love Oh, it. well, I want to register to vote. I don't know how, and I can send them the link. Or they say well i don't know what district i'm in or where am i supposed to go to vote and i can send them the web website to say okay your voting area is this library two to four go you know or whatever like it's just um that's really exciting to me when i see um i did get an email that meant a lot to me um uh, a woman sent me an email and she said i I just wanted to let you know that I have decided that I'm going to vote for you. She said, I I had spoke to you before and um, I did did some research, she said, but today um, somebody hang one, hung one of your little door hangers on my door and I got on and I checked your website and she said, I just wanna let you know that I'm really excited that you are passionate about the things that I am too and I'm gonna be voting for you. and so that just, you know, meant a whole lot to me to get an email like that and that somebody recognized that I was out there trying to make a change and that I was, you know, in the hot, sweaty sun.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> kind of hard yours. work paying off.
1: Yeah. So, um, and then I did, I had another gentleman tell me that, um, I think he was 35. He said, um, he said, I've been a registered voter since I was 18, but I've never voted before and I voted for Amber. Not so much to me, like to have somebody say, you know, I decided that I would vote for you because I see that you're, you're putting in the hard work and you're really trying to make a difference. And, um, gosh, so I guess maybe, maybe I judge success by nice emails now. I don't know.
0: (laughs) that's awesome all right so um, I've really enjoyed our conversation I want to kind of close everything out with a mm-hmm. um, little bit of a random round to let people get to know you a little bit better so what profession other than your own would you like to attempt
1: oh I'd like to be a screenwriter a screenplay so write movies that would be
0: fun do you prefer texting or talking or talking to people
1: Hmm. Like face to face or phone call? Is that what you yeah, mean?
0: yeah. Or like, no, okay. if you're if you're on a if you're talking to somebody, do you prefer texting or talking to them?
1: Um, I I probably prefer texting.
0: Yeah. If you could time travel, where would you go and why?
1: Oh gosh, this I was thinking about this. So like, oh, there's so many things I want to see. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go 1776 and be with the Founding Fathers. I really, I really want to talk to them and get, like, ask them, like, okay, so this is how we interpret the things that you wrote, but are we sure, because there's a lot of discrepancies in old 2019, and I'm, but I'm a big fan, like, I really appreciate it. <laughs> <But I'm- laughs>
0: Take me with you on that conversation, please. I want to be a part of that. Um, what personality trait has gotten you in the most trouble? Oh, that I'm talkative uh, <laughs> when i when I
1: was in school, I like almost all my report cards say amber is is a good student, but she talks too much, or can you please talk to Amber about not talking so much and just loud, yeah, yeah, I probably. My voice carries, so I would say talkative gets me in the most trouble.
0: And finally, are you listening or reading to anything that motivates you right now?
1: Oh gosh. So I actually um I got the ebook of 1984. It's a George Orwell book. I love that and book. I so um I didn't get to finish it because it it had to go back to the library because there was a hold a waiting list So but I got towards I'm and towards the end, but that was Yeah, it was so motivating for me to, like, make, yeah, to stand up and use my voice while I can. (laughs) You know,
0: 1984 um, is, like, where conspiracy theories are born, yet it's so relatable. Like, it scares me that I can see 1984 as a, as a thing. Like, that it shouldn't be realistic. Yeah, like, I, I never knew, like, okay, so I
1: decided to read it because I saw it referenced online, all the time, and I'm like, I gotta read this book, like, I don't know what people are talking about, and yeah, I agree, I was like, oh, but, um, that was really deep, it's really heavy, like, it's not a fun on-the-beach summer love read, like, oh my gosh, so, um, I, am part of a mom book club, and we just finished, um, The Secret Life of Bees, okay, Uh, and that was so beautifully written, like, the author's descriptions were just so amazing, so, I was listening to 1984 and I read Secret Life of Bees and, um, yeah, they're both really empowering in their own way.
0: (laughs) Yes, for sure. Secret
1: Life of Bees, um, the, the heroine of the story, she, she learns a lot about herself coming of age and yeah, anyway, so.
0: That's cool. what
1: I, I. Have been into lately. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, before we go, go ahead and tell everybody where they could find you on social media if they wanted more information about you or what you do.
1: You can find me at the hashtag uh, Beltran for Utah. My username is Amber Beltran, Utah Chair.
0: Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and I've really enjoyed listening to your insight on how, you know, going from a small town to this political culture. Um, Has really kind of impacted your life along with all the other conversations we had. So I really appreciate you coming on Thank you so much.
1: Yeah,
0: and I just want
1: to give a shout out to you So thank you so much when my husband was getting going through his citizenship stuff I just want to say amber um, was so helpful and I would send her these messages on Facebook Messenger be like oh my gosh did I do this right like there's so much paperwork and so thank so you for paperwork. your work you your are little, very your, yeah you're shedding of info and light on us and helping my family <laughs>